Amen. Work through those funds, Jesus, for your kingdom, glory, and honor. We're in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 this morning. And uh, I, I don't know about you. Uh, I've been doing Christmas this year, but to be honest, it's been a little harder for me to get my heart into it. Um, I, I don't want to just do Christmas. You know what I'm saying? I, I just don't want to go through the motions I want to experience the wonder of Christmas in my heart. I, I, want to, I want to experience the celebration of Christmas that we read about in, in, in the Christmas story. I just don't want to do it. And uh, I don't know whether it's, it's the heaviness that I think a lot of us have felt all this year. Uh, just the, you know, the pandemic and the social isolation. I've been trying to process that in my own soul. And I think I've come up with a word uh, to describe it. I think I'm going to call it care fatigue. Care fatigue. I've been caring for people so much, caring for my family. My son over in London, they just had a, a, a recent uh, lockdown where they literally, you know, they've had lockdown where they can't leave for more than an hour, can't leave their apartment or can't leave their house. They can only go to get food, things like that. They have a complete lockdown going on in in London right now, there's another different mutant of the COVID virus that's beginning to show up, and they're concerned about that spreading on top of the current one. And so many of us, uh, along with just uh, some of our loved ones have had uh, the coronavirus, we're, we're experiencing care fatigue uh, in our soul. My wife, uh, was, uh, my wife and I were doing devotions last week one morning, and she's reading a, a Christmas devotional off of her phone, uh, the YouVersion app, which has some amazing devotionals. I don't know if you have that on your phone. I read the Bible on my phone, read some uh, devotionals occasionally. She's, she was reading one this last week called All is Calm for the Christmas season. And uh, uh, she, she stopped in the middle of it and said, can I read this to you? She's always a little afraid to interrupt me, whatever I'm reading. But uh, she read me the first paragraph of the day two devotional, uh, All is Calm. And here's what it said. It said, we all suffer from soul amnesia, forgetting who God is uh, and what he's done for us. Uh, from one day till the next. I mean, one day we're in love with him. He's amazing. The next day we forget completely. Isn't that true? Uh, we all suffer from soul amnesia, forgetting who God is and what he's done for us from one day to the next. Like you, I too must remind myself each year who Jesus is and why his birth is so miraculous. Uh, not because my mind doesn't know it, but because my heart ceases to be amazed. As the old saying goes, uh, familiarity breeds contempt, and sadly, our own hearts lose that sense of wonder. And, and I, I know that is so true. Our hearts lose the sense of wonder. When she read that, I thought, man, that's me. That's me this year. I think I'm going through uh, soul fatigue, and my heart has lost the wonder. Uh, does anyone remember when you first became a Christian how exciting that first Christmas was? I remember the mall right out here. We used to have a mall, uh, an indoor one, you know, where you went inside and you walked in the hallways and stuff. And I don't remember the corner store that was there. Uh, but I remember hearing the song, Hark the herald angels sing, Glory to the newborn king. 
peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconcile. Man, when I heard that, I thought, wow! God and sinners reconciled. Where have I been all of my life? I probably sang that song for the first time in the third or fourth grade. I didn't hear those words. God and sinners reconcile. I just go, yes. I mean, when you, read, when you sing Joy to the World, does it just blow your mind? Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature. I'm getting an amen in the back, back there with Zechariah. Yeah. Amen. It, I, I just still remember how excited I was that first Christmas. I was a believer. I mean, it just blew my mind. And that was 45 years ago. And uh, maybe some of you are experiencing soul amnesia uh, like I am. So I wanted to take a little time. This is going to be a little bit more of a devotional than a, uh, than a sermon, if that's okay. Uh, so here we go. First of all, Christmas is really a birthday party. It, it, it really is a birthday party. It's about a baby. <laughs> Emmanuel, God with us. And Lachine, I'm going to ask you if you and Zachiah would come up because there's nothing like a baby. I mean, isn't it amazing how babies touch our heart and uh, they don't come any cuter than little Zakiah. Uh, how many months is he? Seven months. Is he cute or what? Yes, seven months. And he's got the cutest little shirt on this morning. <laughs> it says mostly nice. <laughs> you know, naughty or nice, <laughs> mostly nice, but not always. Thank you, Lishina. I'll let you go and sit back down. Now keep that image in your mind. In fact, would you, would you mind just standing right there while I read this scripture? Sorry, yeah. I'm not very well planned. Uh, let me read this scripture. It's Isaiah 6, verse, uh, Isaiah 9, verse 6 through 7 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lucina. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. So good. I don't know if you've ever seen this picture before. I'm going to put a painting, a picture painting uh, up on the uh, screen for you. And I believe it's on your uh, computer at home or whatever you're watching with. It might be too small if it's on your phone for you to really see. This is a picture painted by um, Sister Grace Remington. It's a picture about Eve and Mary. And uh, Eve, of course, the mother of all mankind and uh, Mary, the, the mother of Jesus, okay? Eve is the one on the left, by the way, if you hadn't noticed. And uh, she has a, do you notice the snake around her leg? Mary is the one on the right, great with child. 
Now notice the faces. I don't know if you can see them very well, but do you notice the embarrassment on Eve's face? Maybe the shame or the regret, the humiliation. Do you see the apple in her hand? All sin entered through her into the world. And if you look at Mary's face, she's consoling her. Uh, she's empathizing with her because Mary understands sin. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But you notice what Mary's doing? Look at Mary's tummy. On her tummy, uh, Mary has taken Eve's hand and placed it on her tummy because in her tummy is hope. It's the hope of the world. See, Christmas is about a baby. Isn't that amazing? It's about a baby. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. Thank you, Sonia. I don't know if you have thought at all this Christmas season about the wonder of God and the humility of God coming to earth as a baby. You know, pregnancy is a little bit dangerous. Uh, ladies, if you've been pregnant, you understand there's a risk. Uh, you know, one-third of pregnancies end up in a miscarriage. One out of three. And uh, in fact, Cheryl and I's first pregnancy, actually hers, I was a happy participant. But anyway, we'd been trying to uh, have, have babies for a few years, and our baby, for a few years, and it wasn't working, and we went through the testing that maybe some of you have gone through either online or here in the, the sanctuary, and... and uh, uh, it didn't seem like there was anything to keep us from getting pregnant, and thankfully, all of a sudden, she was. And we were so excited. Uh, after three or four months, uh, we headed back to uh, Cheryl's family for a family reunion back in uh, South Dakota. And uh, the first night we arrived, all of a sudden, Cheryl woke up with intense cramping, and we were up all night. There's no doctor or no hospital in Strandberg. It's about the size of Derry. Uh, it's not near as big as Merrill or, or, or Malin. Those are metropolises compared to Strandberg, South Dakota. And so we just went through it together. And early in the morning, uh, we lost the baby. And, and, uh, and it was sad. It really was. Um, can you imagine God becoming impregnated in an embryo or fastened to the uterine wall of a Middle Eastern teenage girl totally dependent on her for food and oxygen. God who created the heavens and the earth. God. I was going to invite Casey to come up if I could. Casey uh, is uh, uh, a little bit younger uh, teenage girl and uh, I don't know if we visualize sometimes um, uh, what it was like for God to entrust himself uh, inside the body of a little teenage girl. So Casey, how old are you? 
I'm 16. 16. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. And she is cute too, by the way, isn't she? But yeah, tell her thank you. She's about the age that Mary was when Mary became pregnant. God of the universe, creator of heaven and earth, floating around in amniotic, how do you pronounce it? Am, amniotic fluid. Kayla, thank you so much. Amniotic fluid. I read that so many times last night. I watched a video last night of a little baby. I mean, really little. Floating in amniotic fluid, a little fetus. God became a baby floating around in amniotic fluid. If you can imagine. Of course, he developed and formed and eventually was pushed through a birth canal, which he probably didn't enjoy a whole lot. After he was born, he nursed at Mary's breast. Uh, he had to be burped. <laughs> she had to change his diaper. Uh, silent night. It might have been a holy night, but it was not a silent night. It was, uh, it was a lot of crying there in the manger that first night. Um, why did God do that? He did it to connect with us. God became a human being to connect with us. He... He grew up as a teenager, went through puberty, God, to completely identify with us and sympathize with our weaknesses. It says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things just as we are, yet without sin. Isn't that amazing? Almighty God, holy God, all-knowing, all-patient, all-kind. You know that God, Jesus, uh, spent the first years of his life as a refugee. If you've ever seen a picture or a story online about a refugee camp, uh, Jesus was a refugee down in uh, down in Egypt. He grew up in a little town called Nazareth, which was probably about the size of Merrill. But his whole lifetime, there were questions swirling around about who his father was. T to the point that literally in John chapter 8, the Jewish leaders brought up an accusation that they were not illegitimate children like he was, that they were true sons and daughters of Israel. See, the Christmas story, when you think about it, meditate on it, ponder it. It's beyond wonder. No wonder our hearts can't contain it from year to year. We read the story, we celebrate the mystery, but our, our hearts can't contain the wonder. And, and after we celebrate it, of course, we try to continue to celebrate it by faith year after year, week after week month after month. But can I tell you, nothing gives your life more value than knowing that God became a human being out of love for you, to identify with you, to sympathize with your weakness. And not only that, 
But to die on the cross in your place, to pay the penalty for your sins, and then rise from the dead and go ahead of us to a place where he's preparing for us. It says in John 14, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, I'm going to prepare a place for you. See, one of the challenges is that we're a people that are caught between two gardens. And uh, my wife did a a Bible study, uh, I think it was last year, uh, uh, Lisa Turkerist uh, did did a a study talked about life between two gardens. I don't know if you know it or not, but we were created for perfection in the Garden of Eden. And uh, that's why there's such a desire for perfection in your own soul. It says in Ecclesiastes that God has put eternity in the hearts of men. And, and of course, you know, we, we never think of dying. We long for life. We were created for eternity but we're trapped between two gardens. There's the Garden of Eden that was perfect, and that's what we were created for. Unfortunately, we live in a fallen world. But there's a new garden to come. The Bible talks about a new heaven and a new earth, and that's our destiny because God became a baby, died on the cross, paid the penalty for our sins, and rose again so that he could prepare a place for us. I don't know about you. That's worth celebrating. I can get my heart around that, can't you? I can delight in that story because that story gives me value and purpose. I can't get that from Macy's. I can't even get that from Cabela's, although it's close. We can't, and and we live in a world that's trying to experience the event of Christmas without understanding the wonder and the mystery of Christmas. And they're all scurrying around, trying to find value in a package under a tree. And even as you get older, you realize there's no value in that. But doesn't that make for an emptiness within the soul of an older person who realizes as they're getting older that this is not what life is all about? Life is not about the natural. It's not about the physical. It's about eternity. Oh, I'm going to kind of move toward a conclusion here, but Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble of heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, Christmas, the event, brings very little rest. Uh, my, my daughter and our grandkids were over uh, yesterday along with her fiance and we uh, we did the event of Christmas it was crazy chaotic uh, the grandkids spent the night with us we had a sleepover which means uh, Ashton slept with me and Natalie slept with my wife and both of them feel like they need to sleep sideways in the bed you know like their feet are pushing us 
out of the beds. Anyone have grandkids like ours? Is that, you know, kind of standard equipment with grandkids? I don't know. But, you know, and then we, you know, we got up in the morning at the crack of doom and, uh, you know, we ate too much and uh, we made, made a nice meal for lunch we didn't need and we opened presents and there's paper everywhere. And then, of course, before it got dark, they needed to leave and it was fun. <laughs> it really was. I mean, it was fun, but it was a little exhausting and the point I'm trying to make is that Christmas, the event, brings very little rest. But Christmas, the person. That's what Christmas is all about, the person. His name is Jesus. Christmas, the person. Jesus said, come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It's interesting. This word in, in, in verse 28, uh, translated, come unto me, that word, I'm not, a, I'm not an expert linguist at all. Uh, but thankfully there are people that are write these books. You know that, that word unto me, come unto me, literally should be translated, come here to me. And it's a really tender phrase. It's someone who knows you deeply and intimately. Someone who has passion and compassion for you as an individual. Come here to me. Jesus says, come here to me. Can I ask you a question? What does Jesus know about you that no one else knows? You'd never, you'd never have courage to tell him. What does Jesus know about you that no one else knows? That's the Jesus who became an embryo fastened to a uterine wall of a little teenage girl grew up and died upon a cross. He's the one who invites you. Come here to me. Come, come here to me. Jesus walked this earth. He experienced everything we've experienced. And one of the things he knows is our world is not peaceful. It's not. He knows you're tired. He knows you're weary. He knows it's hard to be human. And that's why he says, come here to me. Because he can identify with our weaknesses. Uh, John Elcott's a theologian in the 1800s. He says, the son of man turns with infinite compassion to those whose weakness and weariness he has shared and offers them rest which none other can give them. Come here to me. You know, it's interesting, that word rest, it doesn't mean to cease from work. That, that word rest, literally, it, it means pause or intermission. In other words, he's trying to teach us a whole new way to live, a whole new rhythm for our life that we'd learn how to come to him, find rest in him, take the weariness of our soul and put it on him. It says in 1 Peter, cast your cares on me, for I will care for you. Matthew Henry He's a great theologian as well, of course, back in the 1700s. And he makes a distinction between the words weary and heavy laden. The word weary, uh, he said, that, that has to do with your to-do list. That has to do with your responsibilities. The word heavy laden has to do with the eternal things that you carry in your soul. That soul fatigue that we're all experiencing 
this year. Jesus said, come here to me. All who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up here uh, this morning, and I'll, I'll finish simply by reading a few verses here uh, from the Gospel of John chapter 1. And I, I don't know uh, what your devotion life is like. I hope you'll, you'll maybe read John chapter 1 or 1 John chapter 1, certainly the Christmas story in Luke uh, chapter 1 and 2, uh, Matthew's uh, Gospel chapter 1 and 2. The Christmas story is amazing. It's so filled with wonder. But you have to do the soul work. You know what I'm saying? You have to do the soul work to embrace the majesty and wonder of this story. See, God won't do that for you. It's there for all of us. But we get to enter into it. We, we, we get to participate in it. We, we get to experience the, the same miracle that Mary experienced, Christ in us, the hope of glory. We get to experience eternity within our soul because Jesus, the person who will live forever, who is light and life, is living inside of us. I just want to read uh, John chapter 1 here, a couple of verses, and ask you to think about it before we go here this morning. It says, in the beginning verse 1 through 4. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him and apart from Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life and the life was the light of men. Verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Then verse 11 and 12. He came to his own, but his own did not receive him. But to as many as did receive him, he gave the right, the authority, or the empowerment to become children of God even to those who believe in his name. You know, you might be sitting here today and mentally you know the Christmas story, but you've never experienced the wonder, the majesty within your own soul. And I, I just want to encourage you this morning. To as many as received him. How do you do that? Well, it starts with a decision to make. First of all, we are all separated from God by our sin and our sin nature. It's our will. We want to do things on our own. We don't want God to control our life or to mess it up, even though we've made a mess out of it. So we have to be willing to ask God for forgiveness because our soul is set against Him. The Bible says in Colossians, we are enemies of God, hostile, engaged in evil deeds. Our soul is set against God. We have to repent, the Bible says. Turn back to God. Ask for forgiveness. And then receiving him has to do with surrendering. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a little specific here. Hope 
that will be okay. But there's something special in the marriage of a husband and wife where the wife receives him. There's a surrender. There's a submission. And in the same way, we have to surrender and submit to Jesus. We have to yield ourselves to him. And there's something about that. God is conceived in us. The Bible says we are born again. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. In the same way the Holy Spirit came upon Mary, the Holy Spirit comes upon us. I want to encourage you. Stop rebelling against God and turn to Him. Ask forgiveness for your sin. Receive forgiveness and submit to Him. Allow the Holy Spirit to come upon you so that you can be filled and born again. Heavenly Father here this morning, we want to thank you for the miracle of the Christmas story. It's so rich, so full of the wonder and the majesty of who you are. Lord, I just ask you to bless the hearing today, Lord, to bless the hearing. Bless our hearts, Lord. Help us receive and surrender. And for anyone today who's confessing, I've been rebelling against you, God, I want to ask forgiveness. And they're turning in their heart to you. Lord, would you receive them back and fill them fresh with the Holy Spirit and the power of your love? Thank you for your presence with us at home or here in the sanctuary today. We thank you for your wonderful love. Pray these things in Jesus' wonderful name.